The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm late, I'm late, for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Welcome to Where Were You in 92, a podcast in which I, your host, Jason Lanfier, look back at the major hits, one-hit wonders, shocking news stories, and irresistible scandals that shaped what might be the wildest, most eclectic, most controversial 12 months of music ever. This week, we take a quick mid-season break from our ride through 1992 for something extra special. A conversation with none other than rapper and producer Sir Mix-a-Lot, the man behind the most famous pop song about behinds ever made. In the interview that follows, I chat with one of music's biggest champions of the ample ass. I like to call him the booty guard. We discuss the origins of his hit number one single, Baby Got Back, the onset drama during the making of his music video, and why he thinks the song helped spark the body positivity movement and change representation of black women in the media. Plus, Mix reveals his least favorite use of the song in popular culture, explains why Nicki Minaj is Baby Got Back, and offers some advice to Lizzo. Be sure to tune in Wednesday, January 4th, when we return to our regularly scheduled 1992 programming. In that episode, we'll tell the story of Sinead O'Connor and her scandalous 1992 performance on Saturday Night Live, during which she ripped up a photo of the Pope and told audiences to quote-unquote, fight the real enemy. Where were you in 92, Mix? Uh, mentally, physically, you know, in that, in that monumental year. Mentally, I was kind of all over the place, to be honest with you. 1992... Um, I came out of a massive lawsuit, uh, while at the same time I got signed by probably, you know, one of the gods of hip hop production. I mean, just, you know, I mean, just not, not just because of what he's done in the past, but how he thinks, um, he eats, sleeps and breathes this stuff. He does, it's not about the money. He, he finishes it, then let somebody else make it about the money. And I, and I love that. I love that vibe. Um, and I wanted somebody that, um, had been in the business for a little while, I wanted to learn something. I didn't just want to, you know, people sit in the room and, and kiss ass for a while. I didn't want that. I liked the fact that it was somebody that knew more than I did. So yeah, it was it was really hard. 
Um, that lawsuit cost me a lot of money. Um, and this was a nasty mix, right? Yes. Your initial label, which um, can, can you tell me a little bit about the situation? I know they put out your first two records. Uh, yeah, nasty mix. It's funny because I never really had animosity. That's not what it was about, really. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. Um, nasty mix. It was an independent, independent label, and everything is kind of, you know, you're trading off. You, you got to give to get, and it's a lot of ass kissing. You know, a lot of a lot of that stuff was going on. I had to run around and hit distributors up to make record sales and stuff like that. And it just reached a point where I thought, you know, we had a we had a platinum album in Swass. Mm-hmm. Um, we had another a gold album in Seminar right after that. So we were we were on a roll, but things didn't seem like they were. Um, it always seemed to be well, always seemed to be a year behind on royalties and 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 things like that, and just some basic disagreements. It was no, I hate you, you hate me. I still love those guys, um, you know, and and the way that label started. But I knew that before I did this next record, I, I needed to try something a little bit different. And because of those differences, I, I thought that was a jump off point for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And this is when you decided to work with Rick Rubin. Well, I wish I could say it was just my decision. Right. <laughs> it, 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 I, I didn't know where I was going to go during during this lawsuit i mean it was it was literally even if i had won it wouldn't be a win because they probably wouldn't really want to keep that relationship going right so i would have been stuck but i but there was just some things i thought i had to do and i'm sure they have a opposing opinion or maybe they agree maybe they agree that we should have part ways i don't know but um rick just happened to call well heidi heidi robinson just happened to call heidi is rick's publicist yeah heidi yes. is rick's publicist and yeah i had no idea what it had to do with. I thought, you know, maybe he wanted to license something or I didn't know what it was. And uh, long story short, uh, she got me on the phone with Rick after a couple couple calls. And, and of course, I was intimidated like hell because it was like, damn, this is Rick Rubin, dude. I mean, shut up and listen. And I remember when I got ready to sign the deal, that's kind of another artist that he had signed um, said the same thing. He saw me at the Sheridan Universal. And he said, when Rick speaks, man, just shut up and listen because he won't repeat himself. So that's where I got all that from. So there was a there was a moment I think uh, of, of you know not so much tension but a little bit of, of back and forth with you and Rick about releasing Baby Got Back as the lead single for your third record Mac Daddy which was your first with Duff American. You uh, weren't keen on, on on making that the lead single, um, and you actually had your way. You actually did get your way, and yeah. and you put out a different first single. Uh, One time's got no case. That's correct, right? Yeah. And it was yeah. actually, I mean, you had, your heart was in the right place. It had a good message behind it. Yeah. Which was about yeah. racial profiling. Yeah, it was. Um, it was about racial profiling. And, and it was it was stuff that actually happened. It wasn't, I don't, I don't, I don't do the storybook gangster stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yep. If it didn't happen, I didn't witness it or it didn't have something to do with me. Yep. I don't talk. I, I, I hate that. I hate that fake shit. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a thing where this is a, something that all artists do. And I, and I think it's very dangerous because it could be career ending uh, very seldom. Is it career making? Everybody thinks it is, but it's actually not. I think artists always have this 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 push because they have this belief. I think artists to make it, they have to believe that the world's against it, right? Mm. So everybody's the boogeyman. You're the boogeyman, and I got to prove you wrong. Mm. So right, I wanted to do a track that wasn't "Baby Got Back" esque first to prove some stupid ass point to some myth- mythical mythical character that didn't want me to make it in life, right? And that that person didn't exist, right? But um, so Rick kind of basically let me hang myself. He said, okay, you go ahead and I'll be here when you get done with that. And he, he, he paid 
paid for the video and did everything he was supposed to do. I can't knock him as a label, did what he was supposed to do. And then I had to, you know, put my tail between my legs and crawl back going, hey, man, yeah, let's do this thing your way. Let's see what you can do. So I pretty much did something I usually don't do and that I, I just fell back. And I, and I want to, you know, this guy does this, right? I thought I was doing it, but obviously I was wrong. And I let him kind of do it his way. I mean, I had my idea. For, I knew what maybe got back meant to me. Um, and I didn't push that on Rick because I wanted his interpretation, what he felt when he heard it. Because I knew if I gave him what I felt, it would come off heavy, heavy handed. And people that really didn't want to hear that at that time, I, uh, I let him do it his way, really. And, and, and then. When we got into the video and all that stuff with, with Adam, um, that's when I started to assert myself a little bit more. And I wanted to make sure, how do we give Rick what he wants, which is something wink, wink, nod, nod, clever, fun on the surface, and then get my message, yep. the underlying message to come through at the same time, but not be overbearing. So mm-hmm. it was a balancing act um, that I knew I couldn't handle because I would go too far one way. And Rick, modulated that stuff back towards the center and then i laid on the gravy with the message with subtle lyric changes and and uh stuff in the video and when you sat down to write this i mean of course it's a very funny song it spawned countless covers and parodies and cameos over the past three decades and of course yeah it's a lot of fun and and you know i'd read that, that the rick had asked you to increase the tempo of it um, to make it a little less quote unquote gangsta and a little bit more like just like danceable and fun. And but when you sat down to 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 write the song, it wasn't meant to be a joke. You you had a genuine intention. Yeah, it's something that any African American basically that has any um any, you know, reference back to James Brown and reference back to Parliament Funkadelic with Motor Booty Affair and and Chocolate City, um, they realized that there was a Black pride had to be, if you didn't ride with it, you'd die without it. And that's the way we looked at it. And I, you know, and I felt like what was happening, if you go back to that era, there were two types of African-American women that succeeded in Hollywood. And I'm generalizing. So don't, let's not, I don't want somebody to point out one person in 1975 or whatever, but basically you either had to assimilate to white culture or you were the, the, um, underestimated maid that worked for a white family and they would advise the children on what to do correctly because mom just didn't get it. Or you'd be the streetwise hooker on an episode of Law and Order. Um, and, and that was it. You know, you always played the, or, you know, or, or stereotypical roles, prostitutes, drug addicts, stuff like that. I hated that. I couldn't stand that. So part of the idea of Baby Got Back was I was, it was going to be a hard-hitting song. It was not meant to be a single. Then it became funny. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me pull back on the lyrics and quit being so dark and make it funny and, and poke fun at, at Cosmopolitan. At the time, they were the definers of all things beautiful, I guess. And um, I disagreed with their stance. Um, I saw a couple of movies with an actor I wouldn't name who was an African-American that said some things. And I realized it was in the script, so I can't knock it. But it was kind of glorifying um, gluteus minimus, as I should say. And now you guys, I'll probably know what movie it is. I'm not knocking him because he's a comedian. He'll light my ass up. But it was that kind of script that defined him as the norm and the guy that liked the curves 
was not. And I wanted to flip that because any black man knows this, we've, we've been liking that from day one. And from what I find out now, Hispanic men have too. <laughs> so it's, it's like a, a thing, you know, that we um, wanted to talk about. But when we talked about it, it came off like we were bitter. So I, how do I write this song in the way that George Clinton wrote Chocolate City? Uh, in a way that didn't come off bitter. It was just reality. So Amelia Dorsey Revis was your girlfriend at the time, and and she was struggling to, she had struggled, you know, to become a model herself. She was doing, I believe, she was do, doing makeup um, gigs and working with a lot of models um, who were, you know, these tall, gangly, very thin um, yeah. women. And, you know, you were just sort of mystified by the fact that she couldn't get the jobs that, that she wanted and and and, and she was yeah. like well just look at my look at my ass because she wasn't she didn't match the standards that you you know were just describing right and the thing about it it wasn't just her mm -hmm. um the, the the main girl in baby got back the one on the pedestal mm -hmm. and i hope we get to that because I, people need to understand what that video really was what it, what it meant um but she had the same problem right and, and it's, it's amazing how many, and I'm, we're not talking about women shaped like me. It's not, we're not talking about a, a girl shaped like a tank. Here's what's ironic. I went to another video director before Adam. And we talked about what we're talking about right now. And I said, okay, how can I make him understand what I'm saying? Because he thought I meant fat. No, I'm fat. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. That's not what I'm talking about. So then I said, okay, think Marilyn Monroe. When I said that to him, I thought he was going to go, oh, okay. He goes, well, when I think Marilyn Monroe, I think prostitute. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Then I realized this song ain't just black. This ain't just a black thing. This is across the board. And I started realizing, wow, this is. So I really knew then that the song, if I broaden the message even more, I'd get more fans. But I didn't know I'd get up to this level. I think that had more to do with Rick. Uh, and the video, which, on, in all honesty, a lot of parts of it, I didn't think I would like until later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you had to cast the video, of course, and you wanted to make sure you were casting, you know, the right women. And so tell me about the casting process. Well, the, the casting process was a little interesting because you had um, the choreographer. She wanted the best dancers. I didn't really care about the best dancers. I wanted to look. so. The ones with the look weren't the best dancers. The one with the best dancers didn't have the look I wanted. You know, they did. I mean, they'll, don't be wrong. They had the courage. But, you know, I wanted really to pin, hit that, knock that message home. So we ended up compromising. And um, she got the dancers that she wanted. And uh, they were fine, too. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like I was going, ah, I don't know. No, it's not like that. But I got, there were three women I wanted really big, big time. One, it started the video on the pedestal, definitely. Um, two was a girl, you only see her for a blip dancing when I say only if she's five, three, her, and, and then obviously, um, Waitasi. Waitasi was like hella cool. And she's the one that's doing the kind of the, the burlesque kind of with the fan. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted those three big time and I got those. So we kind of compromised and I totally underestimated though, the scale of this video because I, I'd done videos before, but it was, you know, poor man videos. I didn't have a major label behind me. And when I saw the cameras alone scared me because I'm like, what is this? Eyewitness news? I had never seen cameras that big. And so yeah, it was uh it was interesting. It was interesting. It was a lot of compromising going on because I'm I'm trying to explain 
the song and I, without, I can't explain the song without explaining our culture. So it came off as preachy every time I brought it up. People were like, oh my God, this again. But they, they, and I think, I think that Adam got it. And, and I think the choreographer got it, but I got her point too, that she wanted the best dancers. So. Yeah, of course. And by the way, the choreo is, the choreo in this video is, I had forgotten how tight it is, you know? And it really, there's just so much going on and the, and the, the high kicks, you know, at that, right at the right moment with the, and the, and the whip cracking. And it just, it's very, very tight. When you were doing the casting, of course, you had to make sure you had the right, the right booties. So you had to actually, you know, take Polaroids of dancers' um, asses, and then Adam had to send them to you, right? And you had a whole grid yeah. of asses to look at, right? Yeah, and I, I picked up a bunch, but ended up <laughs> only getting those ones because obviously the dancing was so, so crucial. Yeah. But, but the basic, and the thing about this video that I wanted from the gate, from the start, was I didn't want to be, I didn't want to try to be hypocritical, right? I was I was into chasing chicks. You know, I was young, right? I didn't want it to look like all of a sudden I'm really a sensible guy who understands that this is not, no, I wanted to be the whore in the video that didn't get the girl. That was the whole idea. That was the reason that, you know, and we'll get to that, that was the reason that the main girl was on a pedestal. That was, that was done by design. I wanted her above us. I didn't want us to be able to reach her. I never touched her in a video. Never even got close to her. Neither did the two girls in the beginning. That was all intentional. And, and it, it was to send a little bit of a message that I see these as queens. I can't even reach them with my whorish ass. That's the way I kind of dealt with it. Because I didn't want to flip everything I had done prior on its face and go, actually, no, I wasn't like that. No, I was. I was young and uh, trying, to, trying to please myself, but it didn't work with her. And that's what I wanted. So when you arrived to the studio, you weren't initially impressed you were you you you, know, you said earlier you were a little intimidated by all the cameras also you had had this conceit that you were going to have this giant ass in the video that you were going to be on top of or initially you were going to be coming out of it but that was yeah. that was discouraged yeah. so you weren't you got you see this ass and you were not you you you, you didn't necessarily embrace it immediately that it was a big yellow Paper mache looking ass, right? <laughs> what the hell? I didn't know it was gonna be that big. First of all, that was like a planet. That was not a that was not an ass. That was a planet, man. That was like Mars. Like they rolled it in and just <laughs> I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, okay, and I had on all brown. And my guys just, oh my God. I said, Yeah, you look like a dancing turd, like a piece of shit on a giant ass. So it was a lot of that, but I'd say, you know what, I'm gonna go with it. You know, this is this is it was a little bigger than I expected, but I came from the independent, you know, world and I realized that okay, I'm I just and I don't usually do that. I'm not a control freak, but at the same time, I don't do anything that may compromise me later. But I just didn't think it would. I said, you know what, I'm gonna trust the process right here. Cause I had the right to say no at any time. And I went ahead and went went through with it, man. And um once it was edited and stuff. Matter of fact, once they even started it, I noticed that they kept me in the process. They kept asking, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Which I really, really, I, I respect the fact that they did that because that video could have gone wrong in a lot of ways. There was costume drama as well. You know, I, I remember some kind of goofy shorts, real super tight tiger kind of shorts and necklaces. And it was just really nasty, right? And I'm like, this is the opposite of what I want. You know, I don't want her to be hood rat. I don't want her to be hoe. I wanted her to be just fine. That's it. 
And, and I want her to be seen as the norm and let these other chicks come off as, you know, haters. And that, that was what I wanted. So it wasn't a big deal. I heard some rumor that I should pull a gun. I pull a gun on a makeup artist. Did this happen serious? or not? Was there a gun or not? No. Because I know I, in the beginning, Rick was really kind of pushing the guns, you know, for your image. <laughs> no, I, 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 I've always been into guns. I, mm-hmm. I got a bunch of them upstairs right now. Yeah. But you ain't, man, a black man traveling across state lines in the 90s during the gang era to make sure he could defend himself against a makeup artist. That shit don't even make sense. Now, did she, that, she, that, did, did, did she, that did she think you were, was, did, did she think you were doing it? Were you actually pulling something else out? Or were you just kidding around with her? <laughs> what, what, what? This, oh. this shocked me when I saw this, that there was maybe a, a, a gun pulled on a, a yeah. poor costume designer. Yeah. Who was trying to persuade you not to look like a piece of shit, li- a literal piece of shit in your video. No, it, no, that, that's, that's a lie right there too. Where the problem with the wardrobe came in wasn't what I had. on. It was what? Shireen, who is now Almond, her name is Almond, what she had on. She didn't like it and neither did I. Neither did, my guys were like, dude, you do this, it's going to look like a Superfly movie. And, and a lot of people did not like it at, and I didn't like it. So I was ready to just kill the whole video because mm. she didn't like it either. She said, you know, I, I walk over to her, she goes, they got me looking like a hoe, like a straight prostitute. What I was talking about in Baby Got Back was a woman who was better than me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want her to be my prey. That being said, I'm not mad at the costume designer because if you look at videos in that era, that's what they were, including some of mine. Honestly, I mean that's what they were. They were girls, you know, popping that ass, and that was that was that was the dance that back then. And I still love that, but I wanted to take this up a notch and let women know, hey, you know what? Yeah, we all like something sexy and this and that, but at the same time, you guys are queens, and they've always been the queens of the black community. The women, if it wasn't for the women, yeah. The, Ask any black person, they'll tell you. So you had to make yeah. a last minute trip to the mall, right? And, and come up with another outfit for her. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a little yellow something, a little yellow dress or whatever. But that was not what she had on when we got there. And, and, and went to the mall, got it. Everything was straight. Like I said, there was no, I didn't, I, I did get pissed, but I did not pull a gun over some shorts. <laughs> no, I think the power in just saying no is, is a little bit better. <laughs> Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You do this video, you got a hit on your hands, it starts to build some buzz, you, you start to, you know, to, to tour with, for Mac Daddy. Um, yeah. and, wow. uh, and then you discover at some point, uh, someone informs you that the, the video has been banned yeah. from MTV. On camera. Yeah. And this yeah. is the first, this was the first that you had heard. Yeah. Well, we were on this tour. We started this promotion tour. Keep in mind, song hadn't, it wasn't even out yet. Because we started this tour in like March. Song came out in May. Right. So the song comes out, I think May 7th or something like that. And, uh, you know, we're going from city to city. We're on a bus and it's, 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 a, we're not, I'm not making any money. All my money is going salary because I had a, a gigantic crew because obviously we wanted to help, help people to get used to that image so they could see it in the video because it was the same people. So we get on tour, go through Corpus Christi, Texas. And that was the first time I, I, I we had helicopters over the show. I'm like, is somebody in trouble? Because, you know, we started the show. I'm serious. I got this on video. First show, maybe 100 people. We went to an autograph signing at this uh, record store or whatever. <laughs> it, was like, it was like eight people there. There was nothing happening, right? We get down to Texas and it's packed. And then we go forward and where we, we hit a place, um, Panama City. Panama City, Florida. Um, I'm walking in. I'm videotaping because I'm shocked about Next door, there's a hotel to, next door to the club. The club is sitting on the water, and the, the dance floor was a swimming pool. They would cover it at night, you know. But I look over here at this, this, uh, this hotel, and there's like every single balcony was packed. And I'm wondering, what are they? Maybe they're looking at the water. What are they? I didn't know it was me. I had no idea. Walking in, and you hear the club owner go, and this week, it was just announced. The man with the camera has the number one record in the world, in this country or whatever. And I'm like, he goes, baby got back. And I start laughing. And you hear me say, yeah, right. You know, I, we're, nobody believed it, right? I had an assistant at that time. Her name was Christy. I said, Christy, we, did it go number one? He's like, not that I know of. Keep in mind, we didn't have these back then, right? So there was no, there was no internet. You're holding up a no, cell phone, yeah. Right. <laughs> and we didn't no even way. have the internet, exactly. Yeah, cell phones like a dollar fifty a minute, <laughs> yeah. you know. And who thought, you know? And he said it, and then the crowd—it was packed. They knew every word. They were passionate. I'm like, did we really go number one? And I still didn't know. Um, we didn't believe this guy. We left, and when we got to the next city, then I saw a picture of the charts, and I'm like, oh hell to the no! Yeah, went number one, Billboard charts, man. And then the band. 
Well, it went, yeah, it, it, it rode for a little while. Mm-hmm. It got to five weeks and yep. uh, we were headed home. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we knew the song was blowing up on MTV like crazy. While it was number one, it got, well, they say it got, I guess, demoted or moved to another time slot. That's not the way I remember it. I remember it being banned initially. And then I started to see it at nighttime after nine o'clock, which in essence killed the song, you know, on, on MTV. It didn't kill right, the song. Right. I thought at that time, my career was over. I thought, wow, you just took, you just snatched the hit right from my hands and killed it. Then I started to think a little differently. And I started to think, you know, maybe not, maybe not. And then Heidi Robinson uh, said something to me. And I don't even think she remembers it, but I talked to Heidi the other day and I told her that she said that. She's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so she may not remember because it, it was just a Heidi call. And she goes, because she was the publicist on this project. And she said, I said, you know, you hear we got banned? And she said, yes, I hear we got banned. And I'm like, okay, what does this mean? I remember she takes this exhale. Like, well, Mix, you're now Elvis Presley and you shook your leg one too many times on the Ed Sullivan show. I will never, ever, ever in my life forget that because I realized, oh, shit, I'm the forbidden fruit. And that never dies. You know, and I realized maybe not, you know, maybe this thing, even though, yeah, it came down the charts because it was all but forced down. But all of a sudden, women, which is good, started to understand the song. I, I, pull, I got to Nebraska and I remember a bunch of women were boycotting uh, me coming to town because they thought it was I was a sexist pig. And I, I debated them. I didn't debate them. I just did a live thing on the phone with the radio station kind of moderating and keeping things going. And I explained to them, yeah, you can call me sexist because I probably have been. I didn't, because you, you're going to lose credibility if you say you never, yeah, he's chased women like any other young cat. However, the woman I'm talking about in this song is the unobtainable. Listen to the whole song. I never get her. I want to, but I never get her. I didn't say she was mine. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And I said, don't call her no bitch. I, I say all of that. So once I explained what I meant, what I meant, The girls didn't love me, but they didn't boycott the show. And I think that was a turning point where women started to talk and go, wait a minute, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't an ass song. And then black women started to walk up and say, thank you. That part probably hit me more than anything else on the, on a grand scale, just from city to city to city. And I'm talking about little kids. I'm not talking about 20 year old girls. I'm talking about 35, 40 year old women saying, thank you about time. My mom was a very strong woman, and a lot of her is in Baby Got Back. Not that I'm talking about my mom's butt, because I'm not. But a lot of what, and she even liked the song, which tells me something, because my mom would tell me straight up. Uh, my mom never used the N-word one time in the house. You know, she didn't believe in it. She hated it. Um, but she also uh, didn't like Uncle Tom's. She didn't like uh, people that would get in front of white people and put on for lack of a better way of saying it, blackface, not literally, but figuratively, and kind of step and step and fetch it and tip tap dance and all. She hated that. And she don't ever do that, honey. No matter how much money you make, don't ever compromise who you are. Because once you do, you can't take that back, can't get it back. She's right. What did she say about Baby Got Back specifically? Initially, she was like, I don't know, baby. She listened to the song. She said, I don't know. Because she didn't really catch the message. Then she saw the video 
And she looked at it and you could see her kind of doing math going, okay. She's good. She's, she reads and she studies all this kind of like she likes plots. And uh, as she kept watching it and kept watching it and kept watching it, she's like, that's a good song. And she's never said that to me. Right. My mom was, <laughs> she let uh, my mom grew up on some BB King, you know, she, she wanted that kind of stuff. So she actually understood what that song was about. And uh, that felt good. And my sister, who, uh, God rest her soul, boy, she, she knew it right out of the gate. She knew it, right? She said, thank you, boy. She said, my baby brother's spitting it. <laughs> so, yeah. so not everyone was so supportive back home, though, in Seattle. So Seattle was, yeah. you were trying to carve out a path for, you know, Seattle hip hop. Like, you know, most people, especially at that point in, in, in history in 1992, you know, by, by the end of the year, you had, you know, East Coast versus West Coast. You had Dre coming in, Snoop Dogg. You know, there wasn't a whole lot coming out of Seattle. You were really... You were really, and then, you know, you were really big. You were one of the first. Diggable Planets came. And then, of course, years later, we had, you know, Macklemore and, and Desatisfaction and, um, and Shabazz Palaces. So you were really kind of putting Seattle hip hop on the map. And, you know, by the way, to listeners, you know, Mix was doing this in, in the late 80s with his first two records as well. Right. Um, but not everyone was, you know, super, super thrilled back home. I, I, well, I, what do you, you think? What do you think? Do you think it was just jealousy? Do you think it was? Do you think that when they heard Baby Got Back, they thought, is this really hip hop? Is this what hip hop is becoming? No, I think what it was is that for some reason, um, I was the poster child for Seattle hip hop. I shouldn't have been. So I, I think that that was the problem is that I wasn't. I never considered myself Seattle hip hop. I always wanted to be an outsider uh, on the hip hop side that could give it to you if you wanted them that heat. And a lot of people, when they hear me do, you know, other songs where I'm spitting fire, like Daddy's Home and stuff like that, they're like, whoa, I didn't really know you could come like that. And I only do that now. I didn't do it then. So it kind of baby got back plus, and what I mean plus is plus years, some people saw that as Seattle hip hop. It's, they didn't even look back at Swass and Seminar. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm not mad about that. I never was mad about that. I was a little disappointed that the, the business, the record business didn't come to Seattle and go, what else is out here? They didn't, they didn't sip, they didn't sift around because there were other groups out there. But at that time, and this is another myth that I want to dispel, people go, well, you didn't, you didn't put so-and-so on. Who did then? I don't remember too many cats that had the power to walk into a major and go sign this guy. You know, I couldn't even do it at, at I mean, I kind of helped a little bit with Nasty Mix because I like Criminal Nation a lot. I went out and saw them. I was like, man, I hope they get signed Criminal Nation because they're good. And they did. But I couldn't just walk into Rick's office. So I'm a new artist, right? He saved me from a down spiral. Now I'm going to walk in and go, I got these five artists you need to sign. Yeah, just sign them because I said so. No, that didn't fly. That's a, that's a myth from back in the day. 1990, wasn't nobody put nobody on, at least not in my scenario. That's always been a kind of a, a thing that frustrated me. Not that I was hated. That's normal in hip hop. You know, the, the guy that gets the pop success is going to get this. But did you, really get, <laughs> did, you, did you really get death threats after this, the success of Baby Got Back? No, well, I got... You know, you yeah, but not because the baby got back. The death threats came from people that just had beef. <laughs> but I think 
I think I think some of them thought, you know, that I got soft because of they didn't, you know, I didn't get a lot of that beforehand, you know. But afterwards, the only thing I would say back to a cat that would give me a death threat is, you got my address. And the death threat's on the record. And I think they knew what that meant. It's like, if you think I'm going to roll up like a bitch and be like, oh, please don't come in my house and take me out. No, 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 no. Now, I'm not going to be out there on the street. I'm not no gangster. I don't do that. But it, it was just small time, you know, stuff people do when they're kids. That's all that was. I, I didn't really take none of that serious, honestly. As I said earlier, there have been countless covers. Yeah. It's been on Glee. Of course, Nicki Minaj, just a few years ago, sampled it for Anaconda. That was beautiful. Uh, exposed it to a whole new audience, yeah. um, a whole new generation. Um, do you have a favorite usage of that song in popular culture? Or do you have a favorite <laughs> cover or a favorite parody? Wow, you know, baby got back. What I, I remember when Nikki when Nikki put out Anaconda. First of all, I loved it. I loved the fact that, you know, a lot of people may not know. Well, Ice T is the one to tell me she was looking for me, right? So Nikki's talking about doing blah blah blah. So I got a number somehow and got in touch with her, and we only talked about five minutes. What I liked about it is that she was in charge. Let me say that again: she was in charge. She wanted, she knew the production she wanted. She wanted the DJ. She wanted to use the scratching. She wanted me to do this. She wanted me to do that. And I realized she is Baby Got Back. I, I didn't realize it until when that video came out, everybody's like, well, she's not talking about the sisters not getting respect. I'm like, because she's showing that it's changing. She is the example of what I was talking about in Baby Got Back. And it is, well, I, well I, what, I, what the underlying message, message was, I should say. And um, yeah, it was that was that was cool. There's been some uses that I've been ashamed of. <laughs> I ain't gonna get into that. But uh, well, you gotta give me one. Like, you gotta give me one that you're ashamed of. Oh man. Okay. Anybody listening? <laughs> Nobody listening. Uh, there's one I did for Burger King. Now, the guy that directed it, the brother, he did the you know the what's up back in the day, the Budweiser. Okay, he did those ads. And it's me, uh, Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> what's the dude that, uh, what's the dude, something Estrada, what's his name, the guy who used to play the cop, man? Uh, all those people are in it, man. The cheesiest, oh my God, that was horrible. It was like, I should have never done that. They paid me a lot of money. I think it was Burger King. Was it Burger King? I think it was Burger King. I don't want to diss Burger King if they didn't do it. But I didn't like that at all. Hopefully they sold something from it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what I learned quickly. How your license baby got back from this point forward needs to be taken more seriously because mm. you could ruin the legacy of the song. What's really interesting going back and watching this and, and reading, you know, what you said about it in previous interviews is like, it, you know, baby got back was a step forward, not only in, you know, the body positivity movement, but also in, Black representation, Black female representation. Yeah. What do you think of where we are now with the body positivity movement? What do you think of someone like Lizzo? Yeah, I, you know, here's the thing. Uh, this is, um, and I'm proud of Lizzo. Here's the thing that, why you know it's still not right yet. Lizzo has to say it. You know, you see what I mean? 
when it when Lizzo doesn't have to say it, when you can see Lizzo on TV knocking shit out and got a um, half a million white kids screaming the lyrics, you should already know that they accept her for what she is. But for some reason, we, not just Lizzo, we still have to say it. That part kind of bothers me. Is that because I, I saw I saw an interview she did, you know, and I was really it really was hard to watch. Hard. To, well, I listened to it. I didn't see it. I listened to it. And um, it, and I don't like the fact that she feels like she has to explain anything. You got that girl got talent. Woo, my goodness. <laughs> she got, I mean, her voice in that one track when she talked about dick tastes like collard greens. I like that line, of course. But <laughs> anyway, um, um, yeah, no, she, I mean, her voice, it just has that. I, I'm not her producer, but you know what I'd love to hear Lizzo do? Just, just, she'll, she'll shut the game down. Give me a old Mavis Staples. I'll take you there. Woo! Let her, I'm, I'm, let her do what she do with that same voice she used in that last track she did. Done. Done. I mean, you know, to me, I love the sister, but Lizzo, quit explaining to these fools. Mm. Okay. You know, you know, we know. Just be you. And what do you think about female black representation? you know, in general, in music videos, in general. and to television and film? Um, I, you know, I like it. I mean, a lot of people say, yeah, you see, you got girls popping their ass on, yeah, well, you got white girls doing that too. So, okay, that being said, full representation means how many of them are playing lawyers on TV? I'm starting to see it. How many of them own companies? Hello, Oprah, I love you. Um, I, and, and to me, um, oh God, what's her name? Oh, to me, the goddess, to me, when I look at her, what I like about her, she's she's gotten older, but no surgery. She stayed beautiful. She stayed classy. She didn't go ho on us. And that's Angela Bassett. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just, she is the perfect representative. That is exactly what I'm talking about in Baby Got Back. She's absolutely gorgeous. She doesn't have to prove it to you. She's incredibly smart. She doesn't have to prove it to you. And she's well along without bragging on it. Um, so she doesn't have the inferiority inferiority complex that some of us have. When you're a minority, you feel like you have to say, I did it. Look, look. She doesn't have to. She leads by example. Class. Class personified. Absolutely. And I, a lot of, Queen Latifah, another one. Class personified. Janelle Monet, oh my God. is I. She's probably my favorite young female artist in the last 15 years. I, I think Janelle Monet is seriously underestimated. And... Um, that song Turntables, if you haven't seen that video, sisters, sisters, listen to me. Watch the whole video, especially what she's pulling out of the ocean at the end of it. Mix, do you think you would have done anything differently with the song or with the video? If you could turn back no. time, if you could go back to 92, would you have done anything differently? No, if I could go back now, I wouldn't do anything differently with that song other than the fact I, I think I there are times like the ad we were just talking about, that I over-leveraged mm-hmm. the song. And you have to be careful. I always I, I always uh, preach that artists should learn a little bit more about licensing. But licensing isn't just, hey, go use my song and I'll go back and shoot somebody tomorrow. Uh, you know, your yeah. brand kind of rides with that. I think about, uh, you know, if you wanted to release One Time's Got No Case as your lead single now, yeah. you know, Rick would have maybe been more you know, in favor of it, given yep. the 
current state of affairs, you know, and 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 the, the reckoning we've experienced in the past several years. It's just interesting, you know. Um, yeah. And and he, he maybe would have wanted to bury or just axe a sound like Baby Got Back altogether. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, that, Rick is an interesting guy, though, man, because he. I can't speak to anybody else, but I know I've heard LL say something similar to that when I saw him years ago. He just said it in one one or two sentences, but basically he said when he talks, listen, Rick is a very interesting guy. He he'll see things as you in it as an artist. He see things sees things that you don't see. You get mad eventually. Initially, I shouldn't say eventually, but initially you get angry because you think you know, but most artists actually don't know. They may know themselves, but they don't know what you see in them. And that is what Rick forced me to start looking at. Stop. I realize you want to say this and you want people to hear you say it. But if Public Enemy said it better, they're probably not going to respect you saying it. And so he taught me to, to kind of understand what people like about Mix-A-Lot. And it's not, it's not necessarily serious songs, although they do like some. But they like the cleverness in which I talk about things. I, I don't. I don't do a zoom out thing when I talk about social issues. I zoom in to something I've actually seen and or dealt with. Because I, I, I think when you lose credibility on certain things, you never get it back. What's, what, what, what do you hope the legacy of Baby Got Back is? Um, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> if what I wanted to happen with Baby Got Back, not necessarily the legacy, I'll get to that question also, but if what I, if just what I wanted to happen, happened, which it has, damn near, um, there would be no legacy. Because it would be, well, maybe there would be a legacy, but it would be back there. Um, you'd be looking in the rearview mirror and go, remember when people thought that was ugly? That kind of thing. So we're there. But if I talk about legacy and that, it would almost go away if everything I said in that song came true. And we're getting close to that. So now it, it turns into a fun song that people sing at weddings. You know, I mean, <laughs> so it's kind of weird. If the song works, it becomes something it wasn't intended to be, which is really ironic. And I, that's why I always say, careful what you wish for when I talk about Baby Got Back, because what I wish for is now the norm, almost. Where Were You in 92 was a production of iHeartRadio. The executive producers are Noel Brown and Jordan Runtog. The show is researched, written, and hosted by me, Jason Lafier, with editing and sound design by Michael Alder-June. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 3D. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.